SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today live on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia. Don't know if you're into breakdancing. May sound like an odd question, I understand, at the top of the show. But I think that if you, if you go back in the day, a lot of people were. And would you believe right now that the breakdancing championships are virtual this weekend? The Red Bull championships. We're going to be doing an interview coming up a little bit later in the show. Uh, Negwin is going to join us to talk about that. He's one of the judges in this. It's outside the box. It's different. But, Joe, you know what? Baseball is done. It's time for us to take up breakdancing again. Happy to do it. Yeah. One day without baseball and you have a midlife crisis. I, I don't understand. How does this happen? Oh, this is one day. It's only one day without baseball and you're on to breakdancing. Can't do a on. whole day of football. You just can't do it. You're on, you're on to breakdancing in the words of Bill Belichick. By the way, I don't know about in your youth, were you a bit of a breakdancer? And did you have a breakdancer name or did you have a breakdancer handle no, or something like that? that I, yes and no. I, I did attempt. I was not very good, but I, I was definitely a, a breakdancer in my youth in the 80s. Very into the old school hip hop. Uh, so, yes, I, I definitely respect that. I, I did not walk around with a tile and spray it like a lot of the kids I knew did and then try to spin on my back or on my head. I didn't go that far with it. But I think mm -hmm. that you're going to find that me and Nguyen have a lot in common. And so coming up in about 10 minutes from now, you're going to hear him and hear about what this championship is all about this weekend. I'm very excited to have him coming up on the show because he's one of the best in the world. So a, a sport that we'll cover here on Sports Grid Breakdancing. Again, it is virtual this weekend, so a lot of it is going to be done online. But you'll see the video of just how popular this was. 15,000 people in an arena watching these guys break oh, I've dance seen it. For a hey I've yeah. I have seen it on TV before and I've seen some of these giant dance competitions that they have these dance crew competitions they're phenomenal I mean the athlete you want to talk about athleticism right you want to talk about what these people are able to do it, it's stunning um, the choreography and some of the things that they are able to pull off so it's very cool I think it's great that we're doing it and uh, I know you're an old school hip-hop guy at heart everybody who knows you knows you deep down Craig Mish is uh, is a deep down hip-hop guy everybody knows that very, very much so. All right. Well, I wish I was a Christian McCaffrey guy, but then again, maybe the good news is that I'm not because he is not going to play tonight. That starts our headlines tonight. Panthers against the Falcons. The line is sitting at two. No McCaffrey tonight, so the Mike Davis show continues at least for the time being. Well, what would a week be without any positive COVID tests in the NFL? It would be impossible, it seems. At the very least, we know that at least one member of the Giants has tested positive, so they're isolating the offensive line. And honestly, before we freak out about this, the Raiders had those issues last week, and even mm -hmm. though they didn't look good against Tampa Bay, they still did field their offensive line. So, And, and again, uh, Giants play Monday night, so we'll give it a little time here before we start freaking out on the Giants. And the Chargers are also working virtually today. Not really sure what that is all about, but they haven't really made an announcement. And again, we're here, Joe and I, doing this show on the East Coast, out on the West Coast, it's early there still. So we'll give it an hour or two to figure out what's going on with the Los Angeles Chargers. Okay, there is some baseball news today, and it is a scary time if you're set to make $10 million a year in baseball right now and your name isn't Trout or Betts or someone else because a lot of options are not being picked up and players are being yeah. designated. 
Uh, Cardinals declined their option on Colton Wong. Wong is like a three-war player, Gold Glove Award winner at second base. Look, Wong is not the best second baseman in baseball, but you would think that a one-year scenario for $12 million would be well worth having a player like that out there. The Cardinals say no, and so he is gone. He'll be a free agent, and and we'll have to try and get a contract of 10 or $12 million in the offseason. Also, the Astros let go of Roberto Osuna, who, of course, had his issues in the past, but I think some team will absolutely take a shot on him. It may not be an option for $10 million, but 2 or $3 million, someone will see if he can throw 98 again and put him in the back end of the bullpen. Uh, and also good news for those of you who live in the state of Tennessee, sports betting set to go live Sunday morning, 9 a.m., and I can tell you that betting is just huge in the South. As a matter of fact, Joe, a couple of years ago, when they legalized sports betting in Mississippi, me and a couple of buddies went to Biloxi and spent a Saturday night and all day Sunday betting on sports in the casino. It was the first time ever that I had live betting on sports in a casino in the United States. That was two years ago. So uh, congratulations cool. to Tennessee, too. Should be legal everywhere as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, a lot of things should be legal everywhere if you catch my drift, if you know what I'm talking about. And I just voted for it here in New Jersey. Let's go. I'll be a very calm Joey P. Maybe. Who knows? After the first of the year, we'll see what happens. But uh, I have a question for you. Was it on one of those like riverboat kind of things like in Ozark? Is that where you did the gambling in Mississippi? Because when you say Mississippi gambling for me, I don't know why. But that is the first thing that comes into my head. Like I picture you with a hat of some kind and, and perhaps like a, a cigarette on one of those sticks placing your bets and doing your stuff there because that would be kind of cool like i don't know about you have but i know you're more of a, a gambler person than i've been in my life i am definitely getting into the wagering the last few years without a doubt now that it's been legal in new jersey for a while but have you ever been on a riverboat gambling excursion because i if not i feel like we might have to do a remote next year somewhere I have. I've been I've been on gambling cruises is what they're called here in Florida. Uh -huh, but okay. as far as the Mississippi one, it, it, the Biloxi is on the water. But no, we we did just go to a casino. It was a land and it was I think, I, got I think it was the Hard Rock. I want to say, yeah, we went to the Hard Rock, but they, they have three or four really big casinos there. So uh, it was it was really cool. It was good to go there. Actually did OK. Ended up not losing, which is what you want to do anytime you go to a casino. But bottom line is Tennessee now legal. Let's get Florida legal. I know we're going to be last in line here, but we'll get it figured out eventually. Okay, coming up next, it is the big championship coming up this weekend for breakdancing. And I couldn't be more excited to have Nguyen on the show next to tell you what it entails and what it's all about. Hopefully you'll enjoy coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Well, we thought we would switch it up a little bit today. The global breakdancing competition is going on virtually this weekend. And uh, look, I've always been very intrigued by breakdancing uh, you'd be very surprised to know that Craig Mish, back in the day, in the 80s and the 90s, when this first started coming out, I was one of those kids who was out there with my tile, spinning around on the ground, trying to make something of it. It didn't work. For my next guest, not only did it work, he is a former champion. He'll be competing this weekend. I've watched some unbelievable videos of him on YouTube. Nagin joins us here. 
on Fantasy Sports today. Nagin, how are you? Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm doing very well, speaking live and direct from New York City. Well, I'm very excited to go over this with you and kind of start from the beginning. How did you decide that this was your passion? And when did you decide to make this into something that you could be so successful and a professional at? Mm -hmm. Well, I started at a very young age. I was I'm originally from Brazil. I started doing Brazilian martial arts called capoeira, which is a Brazilian holistic approach to art forms. So uh, I was three years old. And then 10 years later, I decided to learn about breaking, you know, known as breakdance. So uh, I mixed it up two different coaches, two different art forms. And collectively, I became very recognized for the style that I do. And um, I took that to another level internationally. So I started around my teenage time, 13, 14 years old. I was already traveling internationally. Yeah, and the amazing part about what you've done, and, and I watched the videos, is that it's really intense, the competitions. And I know this year will be different being virtually, but watching those competitions, it reminds me of the 80s and, and being in New York and these rap competitions where everyone's like staring each other down. And you're essentially putting on a show for the world, of course, online, but the people there really get excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially nowadays that evolved so much from the 70s and the 80s, as you're mentioning. You know, we're all over different platforms. So, like, for instance, you take Red Bull BC1, you know, which is the most prestigious one-on-one uh, -on -one competition. So, yeah, like you say, it can be like me versus you. You're from Russia, I'm from Brazil, and vice versa. So we do a battle. And then we see who's the champion, the world champion. So I've been there many different occasions. I judge, I competed, I did the performance. So, you know, now as an ambassador of the competition, uh, I make sure the culture keeps growing to the highest level. Yeah, and, and it really has. And you mentioned the BC1 uh, prestige is just amazing of, of how this has grown through the years. So, so I would ask you in terms of your routine, uh, the, the one thing that I see is that a lot of the competitors in watching not just you, but everybody else have to keep it fresh, have to keep it new. There's always some little wrinkle here that changes. And so when you're going to be competing coming up this weekend, how have you prepared yourself for this? And has doing this virtually changed the way that you're going mm -hmm. to do it? Just to just to correct here, I'm not competing, but I will be judging. Oh, you're <laughs> judging. Okay. But anyway, as, as a judge, as a competitor, you, you have to keep yourself active. And making sure that you stay relevant to the scene, to the culture, because, you know, like besides the athletic uh, parts of it, that you have to keep it up training and creating and being original and make sure that your name is out there. You have to be relevant to the culture. So you need to, you know, do work. And, and when did you stuff. win the championship? Was it 2010? Did I see that? Yeah, exactly. That and, was my and, first and, one. And what was it that got you the championship at that time? Um, well, first of all, that time I was younger. I was <laughs> 22. <laughs> um, I think it was just a time that was competing so much at the time. You know, I was really competing all all the events, you know, international, national, small event, big event. I was constantly like just like competing a lot. So after that, I dedicated myself to different art forms. I'm also a DJ. I'm also choreographer a lot of different um artists you know i work with madonna i work with Cirque du soleil i work with jennifer lopez you know so i think like when you're in a state of competitive like mindset i think that's when you actually become the champion but it's not just about that this art form is about you know being able to express yourself as many different art forms as you can do it you know so yeah. it's not just about the competition so i'm a competitor i can compete tomorrow if i want to my i'm prepared for it 
But on top of that, what else can I do with the art form of breaking? You know, you can use that as a tool to reach out to so many different ways to express yourself. Yeah. And, and I noticed that you've been involved in, in taking your talents, uh, not only in competition, but mainstream as well, and working mm -hmm. with other global artists. So if you wouldn't mind talking about that and, and where we may have seen you before. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, despite like the movies and the tour, world tour with Madonna or different artists, I try to be whatever I go. <laughs> so you might be seeing me in a commercial, in a, in a movie or whatever. It's, the most important thing is that we do it for fun. You know, we do it for the love and passion to this culture, you know. So you can take that to a different uh, level as your career, you know. It's like you believe in yourself and you can do it because if you believe, you achieve. Yeah, and, and, and what will you be looking for this weekend, coming from someone who is a champion and has all the experience looking at this? As a judge, what advice would you give to the, the, the kids and the adults who are competing at this weekend? Yeah, the most important that as a judge, you look for everything, like the performance overall, the energy, the creation aspect of it. But most important is to see somebody that's being themselves. So they, the competitor, they, they have to be themselves because... It's your name that's there. Like, I'm like nobody. So, Negin is Negin. Hong Ten is Hong Ten. Ronnie is Ronnie. You know, like, so there's so many different, like, uh, legacy that resonate with the name of, of each B-boy. So, you know, you have to do your work. You have to make sure you represent yourself and do your 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 work out there. Okay. So, now, when, when I was younger and, and, and I was doing this as a kid, and Negin, I'm much older than you. Uh, I'm, I'm 47. <laughs> Uh, when I when I remember doing this, you know what it was? It was taking that laminate and bringing it to the skating rink and then like mm -hmm. swiping it down a little bit and trying to spin on my back and spin on my head. And so when I saw that you were willing to do an interview today, I was wondering, like, for somebody like me who's been out of the game for so long, if I wanted to pop and lock, get back in, mm -hmm. what do I do? How do I get started? It's never too late, you know, and you're you're the you're one of the originator i can say because I am you an you did exactly so you're an og <laughs> and uh it's never too late you just gotta keep active you know like and bring it that like i say it's a passion thing so if you enjoy like there's a um, friend of mine he's about 50 something right now too steven uh and steve is like he's a, a businessman but also he breaks <laughs> wow so, you know it's like you can use that as your hobby as well so it's never too late yeah, and we talk so much, Nagin, on this show about mainstream sports. You know, we talk about football, baseball. I mean, we're—I'm honest with you, Nagin. That's—that's more or less our focus. But when I heard about this, um, I, I guess my last question to you is that: How would you compare the sport that you are involved in, from somebody who's a b-boy and then on to a judge, to some of the other mainstream sports that a lot of our our viewers are watching today? What does it prepare? Well. To be a professional b-boy, a break dancer, you have to understand how much you have to work on this. Like, for instance, if you see somebody doing a head spin, yeah. 50 rounds, you know, just upside down, defining gravity, it's, it's beyond sports. So it's way too difficult. It's a way of healing. So it's beyond what words can express. In that sense... Myself, as a martial artist background, so I, I come from sports as well, you know? I do so many different sports. I play soccer, I play capoeira, I'm a jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter. I do so many different things, so... And what I found more difficult is it's dance, it's break dancing, it's breaking, you know? So 
it's something like to put in the knowledge that is just like wow it's you know it's hard as well but it's a magical thing you know and it's it's there for us to to take advantage of it and represent that no matter if you're dancing or if you uh teaching the next generation that's something that is going to be here for a long time no, Nagin, it's a, it's great to catch up with you and, and enlighten people on this, because I think that, for me, it takes me back to my youth, so I'll be watching this weekend. Is it on YouTube Live this weekend? Is that where... where yeah, all it's all over the, the, the YouTube and Red Bull channel, so, you know, you just make sure you tune to Red Bull BC1 on Instagram, on Facebook, and everything. The information is going to be there. Awesome. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, Nagin, congratulations on all the success. You know it means a lot for me for you to take time out of your day to join us here on Fantasy Sports today. Maybe one day Sports Grid will be betting on breakdancing. Who knows? It's Absolutely. a wild world we live in these days. Thank you again for coming on. Really appreciate it. And uh, may the best man or woman win this weekend. Have fun in that competition, okay? Salute. All right, there he is. Nagin so joining much. us here. Breakdancing competition this weekend. BC1, it is all about them. And Red Bull this weekend. Make sure you catch it on YouTube and the Red Bull channel. We'll be back with more Fantasy Sports today. In just a couple of minutes, back to football we go. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We'll get back to football here in a minute, but man, the carnage just continues in baseball, and who knows what we're going to be up against here in 2020 as teams in Major League Baseball, Joe, have basically until Sunday to determine whether or not they're going to pick up option on players. And the other thing that that teams are doing is before November, they have to make some decisions in terms of the 40-man roster. We uh, told you earlier in the show, Roberto Osuna's option was declined, and so he'll be a free agent. Colton Wong also will be a free agent. How about Brad Hand of the Cleveland Indians <laughs> waived today? Uh, didn't pick up his $10 million option. And, uh, Joe, I'm going to guess he'll, he'll probably clear through. No one's going to pay him $10 million, I guess. But, man, <laughs> pretty good reliever there that you can yeah. have for free right now. You don't have to trade for the guy. You can get him for free. Um, look, I, I don't know what that speaks to the finances of, of what we're where we're headed here in baseball in 2021, but... I know they have Karinchak. He pitched very well for them last year, no doubt. They have other very high leverage arms, but that's a a free good arm for, for some team, I would think, this year. Well, how about free, but certainly a good one. I'm sure somebody's going to pay that guy. But I also kind of wonder, is this Major League Baseball team starting to prepare for the storm of 2021? Not just, you know, what happened in 2020, and obviously, you know, revenues being what they are, probably down from not having people with ball games and all that stuff, but also the looming CBA, which we all know is there. We all know it's coming. We all know that the big free agents, as you always say, are probably going to find their homes regardless. It's those it's those one-year deal guys or the guys that might have normally gotten two or three, are they able to settle for one year now? Is that where things are going? Is that the trend because of the uncertainty of the labor agreement? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know so much about that. It's, I, I think the first part of it is correct, though. I, I think that teams lost money, and they're uncertain what 2021 is going to look like. They're uncertain if full uh, fans are going to be able to go to games in the stands, and the owners still want to make as much money as possible. And so, unfortunately, the bar is being set not at a high level but a low level, and a lot of the options for multi-million dollar players are not getting picked up. And Hand, in particular, just two years ago, 
you could make a case was a top five closer in reality and fantasy. Now, last year dipped a little bit, but still I would think, I mean, I don't think he goes the Andrew Miller route where he just falls apart. Like, unfortunately, Miller did last year with St. Louis. I think Han still can pitch. He probably can't pitch for anybody this year for $10 million, I'll tell you that. But mm-hmm. I, I would think that some team at a 2 or $3 million with an option of some kind would be able to pick him up. I think we're a long way from done. I'm curious who else is going to get cut over the next 24 hours. We'll see. Think about that. Osuna and Hand going into 2000. And 18 that's a pretty good bullpen the right there hey, if, you just, yeah. if, you went out, if you went out and got both of those guys right going into next year that's that's a remake of a bullpen really quick and and who knows maybe you can get them both on one year deals the way things are going i mean i, I, I think, don't know I it's think they will. yeah yeah that's probably more like it i wonder if we're gonna get more names as the show even progresses today because we've already gotten a few uh, as we've kicked things off here so um yeah it's it's gonna look in terms of the finances of baseball obviously the finances of baseball are healthy and fine we all know that it's just where payrolls are going to be and and people can argue that there's been money spent in certain spots and maybe the bullpen is one of them where they've spent too much over a bullpen over the last few years and you see these guys who are able to come in there out of nowhere and get the same job done and the heavy specialization that's happened in Major League Baseball too and maybe the overpaying of relievers is something that was a trend that you were going to see maybe come back to earth a little bit and these things happen they're cyclical in baseball where there's trends of things and what's valued and what's not and inevitably they all come around to roost eventually so maybe it's just the bullpen guys today who knows what it is tomorrow but definitely a trend worth keeping an eye on all right let's uh, check out the thursday night football game tonight as we got a couple college football games we also have one pro game we got atlanta taking on carolina and the panthers fell short last week uh against the saints they had a good shot to win but saints ended up prevailing carolina did cover on the flip side atlanta blew another game which should come as no surprise they've blown four leads already this year panthers are minus two the line opened up at three for whatever reason it's gone down to two the total is 51 and a half and carolina played atlanta back in week three they won 23 to 16 i i feel like it's a trap for me in this game for some reason because i when i look at these two teams joe i see carolina as a much better football team here but clearly the line does not indicate that and i suppose the reason why is that the panthers defense is still probably not among the top 15 or 20 top defenses in the nfl but neither neither are the panthers maybe there's a little bit of a lean to the over here it's not a game that i'm particularly interested in but because i ended up picking up teddy bridgewater I guess that I will have some interest in watching this game tonight because it'll be on my fantasy team. From a fantasy perspective, this is actually somewhat of a compelling game because you definitely have two running backs that are starting in fantasy. You mm-hmm. probably have three or four receivers that are starting and maybe a tight end. So there there could be some interest for me tonight in this game. No, it's, it's a good fantasy game. And the Panthers defense is green. You know, I don't want to say they're good or bad yet. They're very inexperienced. They're just, they're probably the youngest unit actually in the NFL right now, uh, collectively in terms of starters. So if they grow together, there's a chance here that they're going to be good in a couple of years. Who knows? Maybe even by the end of the season, they really start to pick things up. But the Atlanta defense has been terrible. Uh, what makes this game so difficult, I think, to judge is the explosiveness of that Atlanta offense. And we all know that as bad as that defense is, that's as good as the offense is. I mean, how many defenses have an answer for Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley? The answer is almost none. And that is what makes a game like this so difficult to pick. And it doesn't matter where this game is because those kind of weapons are so transcendent. Then they always have an opportunity to be relevant. They always have an opportunity to win. And I guess if you want to make some money tonight, it would feel like the Atlanta side of this game is the way to do that. But that being said, 
On the flip side, Mike Davis, as a running back, has a great opportunity to score points and bounce back after a down week. This might be his last full week as Christian McCaffrey, we thought was missing last week, to come back so he can start in this Thursday night game. But apparently that's not the case. So he gets a great matchup here against the Falcons, who give up a ton of points to running backs who what? Catch the ball out of the backfield. And Mike Davis has done that successfully. And there's rumors that Mike Davis will continue to catch the ball and be part of this offense even when CMC is back. We'll see how that goes. But I have to say, as a CMC owner myself in several leagues, I don't remember how many times I've had a number one pick. Not very often. This year I had three of them. And all three of them I had Christian McCaffrey. And let's just say it's been a rough slate. And in one of those leagues, I really thought maybe one of them I should try to trade him and not wait this thing out. Because you always think, okay, three to four weeks. And in my head, I'm going, okay, it's probably at least four, maybe five to six before I get him back here. And here we are. It's week eight. And he's still not back. And it's basically your whole season now. And it's and it's been really frustrating. I think it's been very tough here for CMC owners. And if you dealt him for anything, you are probably better off than if you've been holding him. And the same thing happened last year with Saquon Barkley. And even when he came back early, he was kind of a shell of himself. It wasn't until really the latter part into the fantasy playoffs where Saquon was good. And I don't know how many teams that actually helped. Maybe one or two lucky ones that had him and were still able to overcome those bad games or maybe traded for him, but they had such a good team they could stomach it anyway. But it's been really difficult. It's very difficult when you have a player who's so transcendent that you spend that capital on that number one guy in Christian McCaffrey, and then he misses the majority of the season. And you said yesterday on the show, let's give him a pass going into next year because he was healthy in his college career. He's been healthy in his NFL career. And we've all been asking the question, when does it catch up with McCaffrey? It caught up this year. Let's hope this is not the beginning of issues with injuries. I'm with you. I think he would probably go back to being at least the conversation for the number one overall pick. But if you ask me who the safest number one pick is in the NFL, you're probably looking at guys like Kamara. You're probably looking at guys right now like Derrick Henry. And maybe Ezekiel Elliott, if Dak is back and everything looks okay in uh, in Dallas. Because right now, even Dalvin Cook, who's had a great season and another injury, that is every single season that he's played, he has missed time with an injury. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. I think the first round is going to look very different next year. For the first time, we'll have, I think, eight or nine guys different from the year before, which is not normal. A uh, couple of injuries to just update uh, you with on. Um, we got Julian Edelman underwent a small procedure. A small, probably major for us, small for an NFL player, but he's going to miss this week, and you obviously have to be concerned about him moving forward. He's had a phenomenal career, but this is not 2020 has not been his season for sure. He's been a non-factor in almost every game. And also Deontay Johnson hurt again, now this time with a toe injury. He missed practice today, so if he was unable to play, maybe that would uh, put Claypool back in again, Joe. But uh, I think more of the focus in reality is Edelman because he's a big name. He's a Super Bowl MVP. And, and look, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. He probably had to play a few more years, and I don't know that that'll be possible at this point. But uh, a lot of love for Edelman. He was a great player for a long time, but it just it seems like things are starting to catch up with him a little bit. It's an interesting question about Hall of Fame for Julian Edelman. I mean, it's him and Jerry Rice. I know Brett was saying it before the break, and it's true. I mean, in terms of postseason stats and receiving stats, I mean, those are the guys hand in hand. Now, granted, Edelman's played on great teams here with the Patriots. But at the same time, he had a very good NFL career, and a lot of Hall of Fame is based upon what you did in big moments in the playoffs and what you did in big moments in Super Bowls. And Julian Edelman certainly has that on his resume. He has some big seasons with catches. Considering they put five people in every year, 
Julian Edelman might get his day there in Canton. I don't think it's absurd to think that he might, regardless of how his career finishes. And I think Julian Edelman's body's been breaking down the last few years. You know, that last ACL injury that he had, I think the guy just, he is a monster in terms of what he's able to take physically. He gets knocked around by guys that are twice his size on a regular basis for the last, I don't know, six, seven, eight years, whatever it's been. And he gets up. He max him on the head, and he gets back to the huddle, and he goes out and catches 10 more balls. It's crazy what this guy's been able to do. But I think that style of play eventually has caught up with Julian Edelman. And even though he wasn't a receiver in college or high school or anywhere else, he wasn't a receiver until he got to the NFL, I think the NFL toll has really taken its time with him. And I think it's time that, unfortunately, Julian Edelman's career might be winding down, which is very sad as a Patriots fan. But it's been a great career, maybe even a Hall of Fame-worthy career. Now, in terms of fantasy... I think it's time to move on, and it's just another weapon that's yeah. going to be missing for the Patriots who don't have any to begin with, which is a real problem. Yeah. Yeah. Jacoby Myers, I suppose, will get more looks, but look, Cam Newton no, could find any best of anybody. But, yeah. Demir Bird got yeah. open more than anybody, but even he couldn't catch the football because Cam kept throwing over him. Yeah. Uh, hard to envision starting anyone on New England this week, but look, maybe someone will come out of it, and, and maybe next week week you can start someone can't hurt to pick them up if you have a free roster spot that's for sure okay fantasy reality is coming up next don't forget we'll be right back here on the friday edition of fantasy sports today jim stannis will join us to go over some dfs action and we'll go over some picks at the west with howard bender fantasy reality on deck SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back. Craig and Joe here with you as we close out our show. About 30 minutes to go. Make sure you stay on the grid. We got golf coming up a little bit later as well as Scott Farrell going coast to coast. A lot of boxing action going on this weekend, uh, and Scott will have that covered for you as well. Uh, also, our great shows are all over at SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. We have our YouTube page up. Like and subscribe to our show if you wouldn't mind. And also check us out on Twitter at SportsGrid. I know, Joe, coming up this Sunday, Sunday mornings were meant for fantasy football right here on the grid and 8 a.m. or 8 a.m. Eastern. You'll be live and uh, looking forward to you and your cast of characters going through fantasy football <laughs> Sunday. We're going to need some help this week, that's for sure. Yeah, you will. It's going to be a fascinating uh, DFS slate to break down. I know you got Jim on tomorrow to do it, and uh, I'll have some things to chime in as well, help folks out. But 8 a.m., we're going position by position, segment by segment, helping you out get your FanDuel lineups ready because there is a big divide at running back this week. You've got a big top tier with guys like Henry and Kamara, over 9K, and Dalvin Cook, and then you've got a drop-off where it's a bunch of guys in the five nines, and you got to figure out which guys and which strategy to go with depending on what contest you're doing. So if you're doing that or if you're just setting your lineups just for season-long fantasy, we're the show for you. Fantasy Game Day right here on SportsGrid, 8 a.m. Matt Stryker, Joe Pizapia, and, of course, the Eric Young. We'll all be talking and breaking everything down for you. So don't miss it. We're a good time. You get your coffee. You get your fantasy football. And, I mean, what's better than that on Sunday morning? I don't know. Yeah, I, I last week was in the negative again on the DFS. So this is the first time this season, two weeks in a row, I didn't make money. I put together such a good lineup. I don't know what I was thinking, though. I don't spend enough time looking at what I'm actually doing. I actually used Joe Herbert and Keenan Allen in a DFS lineup. And and I was wondering, how did I not make money? 
I didn't check until Monday, and I went back and looked, and there were two reasons. The first reason was because I also had Mike Williams in there. Like, why did I have three Chargers? I have no idea. So I, I put Williams in my flex. If I if I would have had anyone else in my flex, mm-hmm. I would have made money. But I had Mike Williams along with Allen and Herbert. Herbert was a great call. It was very unused in all the tournaments. Mm-hmm. And then uh, all I needed was five points to cash from from Metcalf. That's all I just oh, needed oh. five. Oh, oh, I, I will be on that DK Metcalf sob story with you because I had wow. some lineups that were very good this week. Unfortunately, it was all Tyler Lockett. And I mean, literally all. And then, of course, you got that touchdown. Oh, yeah. I thought it was a touchdown. That was the heartbreaker right there. But the pay lines were very high this past week. Um, and look, the good news is last week uh, when we were talking about games, we were very much on that Tennessee-Pittsburgh game as a whole. A lot of people thought that that would be a lower-scoring game. We were very much on that game, so if you made big investments there, you did okay. Uh, we got a lot of things right last week, too, and hopefully we'll be able to keep that trend going there on the program. But this week, I could tell you, we're going to be right back with Tennessee. We're going to be right back with that Cincinnati game, too, because Cincinnati's defense is so bad. It, look, we always talk about the good chalk. There's a lot of good chalk in that Tennessee game. Obviously, the big names on Tennessee, but also some of the lesser guys like Corey Davis. And and the big question we're going to ask ourselves, I know tomorrow on Start and Sit, is where's Jonu Smith at? Because Jonu Smith was blocking basically the entire time. So is he blocking because, number one, A, perhaps, it is uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers' front is so good and they get to the quarterback so well you want to protect the pass rush? Is it B, they need him now the rest of the season because Taylor Luan is out? Is it C, he's not 100% healthy and he was just going out there and trying to block and he wasn't running a lot of routes? Or is it D, all of the above? And I think that's what about a e? question we have to figure out. I don't know if there's an E, but I'll let you know. Maybe if I think F? about it tonight, there'll be an E. G? I don't know about an F. There could be an E. But there's a lot of chicken. Let's, there's go to, a thing. let's go to L. Let's get down to L. But there's a perfect example of a tight end that has so much upside in this game against Cincinnati and so much unknown. And how do you use him? And obviously the other end, too, you've got Cincinnati with Joe Burrow and, and Gio Bernard looking like he could possibly be that starter again. And the the amount of upside you get with guys like Higgins and guys like Boyd who look so good this year and Burrow coming off a good game. So that is a game I can tell you right now that most people are going to be excited about. We're going to call it the good chalk as we like to talk on the show. And I think we're going to be uh, really diving into that game as well as obviously that San Fran Seattle game too. Right. Okay. Well, let's do fantasy or reality as we close it out here. There is going to be new ownership for the Utah Jazz, and the Jazz nickname will be back in New Orleans. What do you think about that, Joe? Fantasy or reality? Of course, uh, New Orleans used to be named the Jazz, and and that really made a lot of sense. And then Utah purchased it. It became the Utah Jazz. There's going to have to be some working out here, I would think, financially. Maybe this is the equivalent of a baseball player or an NFL player having to buy their number from someone. Maybe there's, there's a cost <laughs> involved here. I, I don't know, but... It would seem to me that the New Orleans Pelicans never really felt right. But then again, I never really got the Toronto Raptors either. So we got this fantasy of reality on this. Well, I mean, how about the Lakers in Los Angeles, right? We have teams that move from places named one thing and then they move somewhere else and they don't change the name, which just feels weird. I think it should be a reality. I think it's going to be fantasy. And the reason why I say fantasy is only because look what's happening with Washington. They have to change their team name and they haven't even moved. And look how long it's taking them to, to rebrand and do all this stuff. So I don't know. It seems like a really big task. Now, I don't know if you could just borrow all the stuff, but you can't really because you think about it. Even the, the jerseys, even back in the day, you know, they always had the mountain range on them. And you're looking, you're like, why is there like a mountain range on the jazz? Like, why isn't it something with music? or something? I don't know. But it was weird. Now, back in the even older times, I remember the little music note. They did have one of those uniforms. But 
I don't know, man. It just seems like you should have some kind of name that means something for the place that you play to me. It seems to make sense, but you can usually take logic and throw it out the window when it comes to sports and especially naming teams. Now, the real question is, Craig, do you have some alternate names? Because are you going to call them the, the, the mountains? No, that's kind of weird. You could call them the elk. Like what else is there out in Utah? I know I'm not real familiar. I haven't been. Oh. Yeah. I mean, the lakes, you can't call them the lakes because there's Lakers. I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say fantasy. I'm going to say the Utah Jazz sticks. I'm going oh, against the grain here. I'm going wait, contrarian. Wait. I think, I, I th- listen, Brett Levy, our producer, knows way more about this than us. He's very strong on this. And so he's probably going to be right and I'm going to be wrong, but I'm going contrarian approach. I say nothing changes. Utah Jazz stay the same. New Orleans Pelicans stay the same and we move on. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What about a three way trade? Utah gets the name Lakers, right? Salt Lake City, right? right. You get that. Right. That would make sense, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the Lakers, that's not like they have a big history in the NBA. They can move on with that name. And then, obviously, right. you get New Orleans gets that other name. So, really, then the Lakers get to create a new name. And they're the champs, so maybe they call themselves the uh, Los Angeles LeBrons going forward. All right, there you go. You got all the answers, Joe. That's option That's option L, by the way. For you. <laughs> okay, fantasy or reality, let's move to Major League Baseball. It's a scary time if, if your contract is up or if you have an option, that's for sure. At least one player this offseason will get a $250 million contract in free agency. Joe, we saw, if I'm not mistaken, three get 300 last year? I think that that was mm-hmm. the case. And Mookie Betts ended up getting 300 too, so that's maybe four. But if I'm not mistaken, we saw uh, we saw a couple of $300 million contracts, and I'm thinking that it's not going to hit 300 this year. I don't think we'll see a Garrett Cole, but 250 is the bar that I'm setting. And maybe that's too high too. I don't know. You tell me. Fantasy or reality? Well, I mean, what are we looking at here? An eight-year, twenty-seven million, or twenty? I mean, ten years, twenty-five. I don't know if that free agent is on this particular market in this class. I guess Springer would be the first guy that comes to mind, but right. Springer is thirty. So, I mean, are you giving him a ten-year deal worth twenty-five? Okay, I mean, I guess that's maybe the most realistic guy, but he's had a lot of injuries as well, and that's going to take a lot. Now, I don't know if Trevor Bauer, somebody wants to overpay for that, is not impossible but if you ask trevor bauer he doesn't want to sign more than a one-year deal anyway so you can't really go by him i kind of feel like it's How a about at seven years and, and like 35 million a year something like that no too much jeez i 35 million for george springer i don't know that's kind of tough that's a tough sell for me right. I, don't, I don't think you, so you got you, would you, yeah. do you think do you think he's worth that kind of, i mean uh, again worth is a weird phrasing uh, but yeah, do you think I mean, that's that, an that's investment you make in springer See, that's the thing is that, I mean, look, I think there there have to be some teams if they want to win. It's, you can only get what you can, like, the, unless you're going right. to make a trade. So, uh, look, the Mets are going to be a candidate because of a new ownership. The Rangers are going to be a candidate. They got a new building there that they're going to want to fill. And, and who knows? Look, I don't think Boston's going that way, but there will be a team or two that's going to decide to do that. Uh, the, other, the other thing that's interesting here, from what I'm hearing at least, is if what what happens, Joe, if the Cubs tear it all down and make everyone available and those guys are dispersed, then it hurts the the free agent market. But anyway, go yeah. ahead, give me your answer and then I'll give you mine. You got you got a fantasy or reality? Two fifty. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say fantasy because I just don't think that guy is in this particular class. It's not like we have Harper or Mookie Betts or those guys. I mean, and I think Springer is a great player. I think he's a superstar, but I don't think he's 
transcendent franchise player. And, and maybe I'm wrong about that. I think he's an excellent player. I just don't think I put him in that same category as those guys. Maybe you do. Maybe you see it differently. Yeah. But I'm going to say fantasy Bauer. for me personally. Would you get Bauer 250 if you decided he would take it? <sighs> I would not. He's, based he's on pitched Trevor his way Bauer. into it. He's pitched his way into it for 60 games. Yes. But – Trevor Bauer has a checkered agree past in many ways. I'm going to say fantasy, but I think that this is the numbers very close. I th- I, I could see Probably. 240. Like, like I, I think we're going to get very close to this number with Springer. I think Real Muto is going to get close to 200. I think he's going to get very close to. Uh, I do think, unfortunately, we're going to be waiting. I think that this is going to be uh, two years ago's free agency where January, February stuff, we're going to be really mm-hmm. sitting around waiting for guys to sign. I don't love to hear that, but I do think that's that's where we're headed. I am going to also agree with you. I'm going to say fantasy, but I do think if I would have made the number 225, I would have went over. I think it will be that close with Springer and maybe with JT. And look, Trevor Bauer has said he only wants to do one-year deals. I don't believe him. <laughs> I think he's going to take a long-term deal with somebody. Uh, someone will wake him up and say, hey, you got to take. But maybe I'm wrong. Well, he's a different kind of guy. So uh, to each his own. Okay. Uh, interesting interview I saw yesterday with Matthew McConaughey. So I would ask you this, Joe. Fantasy or reality? I just figured, I don't know why. I threw this one in there today. <laughs> the first three words ever said by Matthew McConaughey on camera in his life were, all right, all right, all right. Is that fantasy or reality? I think this is almost like true or false. I think it's, I think it's fantasy. Um, I think he did some other movies before the dazed and confused moment, which is a great character. Um, and, and I actually saw McConaughey. He's doing that book tour. So we must've seen, you know, the McConaughey book tour in different places. I saw him do an interview last weekend and what a fascinating life and a fascinating guy he is. And a guy that, you know, certainly had a, an odd upbringing to say the least. Uh, big yeah. sports fan too, huge Texas Longhorn Texas. guy, yeah. Uh, big time, yeah, big time sports guy without a doubt there, and a, a real philosopher, Renaissance man kind of guy. And and I I love McConaughey personally, and and he also told a great story there about branching off from the romantic comedies that he was doing. There was making so much money, then someone offered him. He didn't want to do them anymore. He wanted to do some other things, and, and he basically stayed away from Hollywood for almost two years. And they offered him $30 million to do a movie, and he turned it down. And he said the movie actually never got made, but he was like, oh, man, that's a lot of money, $30 million. And then he went on to do movies like Dallas Buyers Club and some other performances know, that we really cool. respect him a lot more as an actor. And I just give the guy so much credit. He's a fascinating guy. I hope the first words that of his kids when they were born was, all right, all right, all right. But, I mean, I'm a big fan of McConaughey. Always was, always will be. Time to Kill was the first movie I ever really remember him being the star of, which was also a very mm-hmm. underrated movie. But for you, uh, do you think it's fantasy reality that his first words in a, in a movie were, all right, all right, all right? Well, I know the answer to this, and it is reality. Those are the first three oh, words that he ever wow. said in, in a movie. Yeah, in Dazed wow. and Confused. That was his uh, first he, film. He, That's amazing. Wow. Yep, it was his first film. Those were his first words. He said that he was getting ready to act for the first time. He was nervous. He didn't know what he was going to do in the scene because a lot of it was ad-libbed. And while he was sitting there thinking in the car, he came up with three different ideas of who he was going to be in character. And when they said action, he went, all right, all right, all right. He do three things. <laughs> and that's why he those said commercials? He did he explain the Lincoln commercials with the bull and him staring <laughs> there one, in the I car? Have, I don't think we have enough yeah, time in the show for that one. I don't think anybody, like, he's one of those Tom Hanks types. Does anybody dislike him? So, we'll come back and wrap it up here on Sports Don't go away. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. We are Fantasy Sports Today, and we're here every day from noon to 2 Eastern, so make sure you tune in if you're watching live, back here on Friday as we get you ready for the big college and fantasy football weekend. With that being said, let's turn it over to my co-host Joe Pizapia as he closes out this Thursday with the Sports Grid 60. Joe. It's week eight. Have you seen my Michael Thomas? Have you seen my Christian McCaffrey? I haven't seen them anywhere. It's been so long since the best running back and the best wide receiver in fantasy football, almost history, mind you, have been playing on the field. And everything is always trending in the wrong direction. Why? Why can't we get a good trend for the best players in fantasy football? It would make me a lot happier having plenty of shares of both of them this year. I know it would make a lot of other people happy as well. Perhaps the lesson to be learned in 2020 is this. If one of your best players or your best player or any player that you have has an injury of any kind that's going to miss them, oh, I don't know, a month, maybe you just take whatever you can get, you cup bait and move on because the season is short and unforgiving. And as great as it is to have that number one talent, it's more important to have a talent on your roster actually starting. Very well said there. Tough year for fantasy in general. Well, I think if there is a lesson to ever be learned on this show, there usually are not. But today, I think one. And it was the interview that we had earlier in the program with Nagin, uh, who is a champion breakdancer and also now a judge. There are probably a lot of people watching the show saying, why are you even talking about breakdancing today? Uh, but it's to enlighten and it's to educate. And maybe there is somebody out there that is doing something in their life and chooses, hey, I want to try something new. And there's nothing wrong with that just because it doesn't fit to what you normally do. I mean, who was I to all of a sudden become a fantasy baseball or fantasy football guy or a reporter covering the Miami Marlins? These are all things that I decided to do. I mean, Joe went to school for acting. He became a sword fighter, and now he's been a fantasy host and an author for many years. Brett, our producer, worked in the NBA. He's the producer of this show on SportsGrid. There's basically nothing that you can do in this world if you don't set your mind to it. Just become very good at something and let your talent speak for the rest. That'll do it for the show. Thanks to everybody here at LCN for Danny and Brett. My co-host, Joe Zapia. I'm Craig Rich. We'll see you tomorrow at noon. Have a great day, everybody. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.